should, if you're suffering, stand alongside one another. Bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. Sometimes when it comes to prayer ministry, we can think, oh my goodness, if I say I want prayer, everyone will think, what's wrong with that person? Please, can we remove that kind of thinking? It's the normal stuff of church life to pray for one another. Especially when we've carved out time over a weekend like this to be equipped, (laughs) to be strengthened with power. It's the normal stuff of church life. And later, I'm going to invite people to respond. We're going to pray for one another. I've got a team here from Kings, good people who want to serve you and encourage you and pray with you and maybe even prophesy over you. And it will be for your strengthening, comfort and encouragement because that's what prophecy is for. No one's going to be bringing prophetic words that exposes hidden sin. Please don't worry about that. We believe that the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is for our strengthening, comfort and encouragement. So if they're going to prophesy over you, it will be for those reasons, to encourage you, comfort you or strengthen you. So I just wanted to raise expectations for that later. I do believe God wants to meet with people tonight. I really do. I feel like I want to get into the Word, if that's okay. So why do we grab a word here? Yeah, yeah, we will, yeah. Let's grab our seats there for the moment, guys. It's good to worship. Again, worship team, thank you so much. Amazing sound team, thank you. Um, We're going to get back into Ephesians. I'd love just to bring a testimony, though. Who knows that when you hear testimonies, it builds faith in what God's doing. So um, Jackie spoke to me earlier. She's frowning at me now saying, Jim, do I have to come up and tell you to others what I said to you? But it was good. It encouraged me. And I think it's going to encourage some other people. So, you know, we've been looking, haven't we, over these sessions um, about identity before activity, who we are in Christ. We're going to be looking at that a bit more tonight. But Jackie just shared something with me. I thought this is going to encourage everyone. So... Just share with others what you shared with me, because that was great. Why don't we encourage Jackie, shall we? Okay, okay. Is this on? Yes. Is it on? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, yes, I'm Jackie. Um, I, I go to a uh, small group. Oh, right there. Okay. Um, I go to... Oh, I go to a small group, and um, in that group we are looking at... Um, uh, freedom in Christ, sorry. <laughs> um, and it's learning um, who we are in Christ and where we, where we are in Christ. And uh, obviously we've all got a long way to go. But this morning I was at a meeting where Jim was um, speaking with us. And um, uh, Jim opened up in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10. And it reads, because of his great love, and I've changed the ask to me, because of his great love for me, God, who is rich in mercy, made me alive in Christ. Even when I was dead in sin, God raised me up with Christ and seated me with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that, in the coming ages, he might show me the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to me in Christ Jesus. I am God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, I just wanted to point out, I'm sure you all saw it as well, but in those few verses, that in Christ, the words in Christ or with Christ, just in those four verses mentioned five times. 
Um, so I believe that, sorry, I believe that, that Paul was really stressing to us that we are in Christ. We are with Christ. Um, and from that, I, I realized that I am inside, I am part of, I am covered by, I'm contained by, I'm wrapped around by Jesus. And, and I am seated with Christ. And this morning, whilst Jim was... We're getting there. <laughs> I'll just sit down. No. <laughs> and this morning, whilst... Jim, what's your name? Jim. Jim. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, this morning, whilst Jim was speaking with us, it dawned on me. I had a revelation and I had um, a eureka moment. And I wanted, and this is what I felt inside, but I've never done it. I wanted to stand up this morning and tell Jim to shut up because I had something I wanted to say to everybody. <laughs> I could have done, couldn't I? Yeah. I wanted him to stop speaking so that I could jump up and I could say to everybody, I got it. I understand. You know, after all these years, I understand who I am in Christ and I know where I am in Christ. And you know, at that moment, my, within me, the only way I can describe it is that within me, I was aware that my spirit and the Holy Spirit were together. And, you know, some Sunday mornings you see the children up the front here dancing and swinging. And well, I saw my spirit and the Holy Spirit dancing together and jumping around together because the two had come together uh, in this realisation of, of who I am and where I am. Um, and it was a great... Well, it's just, just amazing. Just amazing for me, this, this realisation. I don't know it all. I don't understand it all, but I'm on the road to learning more. Wow. Isn't that great? So, um, so here's what happens. Last night we looked at a line that says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come so that you may know God better. And last night Jackie responded for prayer. I think my wife was praying with you um, for that to happen. And the next morning, a eureka moment. There's the spirit of revelation. There suddenly it's like, oh, get it. Something's happened in me. Something's happened in me that I've understood something. Why? Because the spirit of wisdom and revelation has done something. The eyes of our hearts have been opened. The eyes of Jackie's heart were suddenly opened to something, enlightened to see something she hadn't seen before. And I thought, wow, that's exactly all that I'm going to long in for over this weekend is more and more stories of that. Because when we get this stuff, it's going to transform everything. When we have those moments of, I see it, Holy Spirit. And so we keep praying, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, will you come? So we are going to get back into Ephesians. This is good, eh? Well, how encouraging is this? Amazing. I'm going to read from chapter 3 today. So Ephesians chapter 3, um, we're going to read verses um, 14. I'm actually going to go through to 21, although I'm going to preach on verse 20 and 21 tomorrow morning. 
So I'm going to focus on verses 14 to 19, but I'll read all the way through. Um, Paul again prays, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Just look at that last verse. To know love that surpasses knowledge. To know something that is beyond knowing. Is basically what he's saying. We'll talk about that tonight. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, that is an amazing line and a terrifying line all at the same time. To be filled with the full measure of God. Wow. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Tom Wright says about this prayer that it is essentially, it is a prayer that the young Christians may discover the heart of what it truly means to be a Christian. So Paul is praying for this church in Ephesus that they may truly understand what it means to be a Christian. It means knowing God as the all-loving, all-powerful Father. It means putting down roots into that love. Or changing the picture, having that love as the rock-solid foundation for every aspect of one's life. This prayer is about discovering the heart of what it really means to be a Christian. That's what Tom Wright says. To know the rock-solid foundation of God's love. Father, help us as we look at these verses. Spirit, will you open our eyes and our hearts? Help me to communicate well. Pray, Lord God, let your word speak. Your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is our daily bread. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every good word that comes from the Father's mouth. And so, as we come to these verses, I'm praying, Lord God, not just for information, but for transformation. Not just for knowledge, but for inner work, strengthening in our inner being. I'm praying for truth that sets us free. I'm praying for revelation, Lord. Lord, some of these verses many of us have read many, many times, but I know there is more for us to know. (laughs) I pray for your spirit to come and help us to see things we may have never seen before, or to know things in our inner being that we've never known before, and all God's people said together, amen. So let's work through it. Like I said last night, I really want the word to speak for itself. He starts off by saying, for this reason. For what reason? It's exactly the same in chapter 1. In chapter 1, as he went to pray, he said, For this reason I pray. And we see the same in chapter 3. Well, to know what reason, we need to know what chapter 2 is about, actually. That's 
what Paul is praying now in response to. Chapter 2 is phenomenal. I'm not going to read it all, but this is the chapter that says, You are dead in your transgressions and sins. You are objects of wrath. But because God loves you, he's made you alive in Christ Jesus. It wasn't you that did it. It's not like your efforts as if you could get right with God. No, it was his grace. So it's by grace you're saved. And you are God's workmanship. You're like his, his masterpiece is like the translation. He's created you for good works. And then it talks about the beautiful reconciliation of the gospel that he's brought Jew and Gentile together. Those things that were opposed have now been united in Christ, one new man. And he's broken down the walls of hostility. So we're no longer foreigners or aliens, it says at the end of chapter 2. We're fellow citizens and members of God's household. Wow. Just think of, we are fellow citizens and members of the household of God now. We're like inside, the sense we're in the house of God because of the gospel. Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. In him we've been built together to be a new temple that God wants to dwell in by his spirit. This is chapter 2. It's just phenomenal, okay? Um, I would encourage you, if you've never slowly worked through Ephesians chapter 2, this week, make that your quiet time, whatever it is that you do to read the Bible, read through Ephesians 2, amazing. Then look what happens at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, dash, has everyone got that in their Bibles? Dash, what's going on? Paul is writing and then he suddenly thinks, hang on a second, I need to say something else. So he stops mid-sentence, that's literally what's going on in the text. Chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, oh, hang on a minute, I forgot to write something. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Okay, it literally stops mid-sentence. So imagine Paul is writing out a letter to the Ephesians, and we know he's actually writing with passion because Chapter 1, verse 3 to 14 is just one long sentence with no punctuation or anything. He's just gone, ah, he's written it down. He's writing it all out and he's hanging on a second. Before I get to that point, I actually need to say something else. Just if anyone wants to ask you about the integrity of Scripture, this is a beautiful example of the integrity of Scripture. If it was made up, that would never be in there. Okay, that, that kind of typo or whatever it is, it would be much more polished than that. This is the authentic text. Paul is writing, for this reason, he's about to pray. And then he says, no, hang on a second, I need to say some other stuff before I pray. And he goes on to talk about the administration of God's grace given to him to preach the gospel. That there is a mystery has been revealed to him, that the gospel is now for everyone, Jew and Gentile. And then this incredible verse that it talks about the fact that God has had an eternal purpose, an eternal plan. His intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's eternal plan was that the local church would be his vehicle for his wisdom in the heavenly realms. That's like you guys and me. There's his eternal purpose. How is he going to uh, communicate his manifold glory and wisdom in all realms, including heavenly realms? Yeah, us. Amazing, isn't it? And he's going through that. This is the mystery I've been received. And then he comes in, verse 14, for this reason. He picks up verse 1 again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father because of the gospel, because of his plan for the church, because of how you've been made into a new temple, because God wants to dwell by your sp his spirit amongst you, because of all this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And he says this, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's our key phrase this weekend, strengthened with power. It says he's on his knees. Um, Jewish men rarely prayed on their knees. Jewish men normally stand um, stand when they pray. You even see that in um, Orthodox Jews at the wall in Jerusalem. They're standing. To kneel is to really be in desperate prayer. You're really travailing in prayer to kneel. He says, I kneel before the Father. He's like, he's longing for the church in Ephesus. Oh, God, I'm on my knees before you, Father. He's, he's yearning before the Father. Will they know a strengthening in their inner being in here through the Holy Spirit? He's longing for the church in Ephesus to know that. It's the longing of his heart that they will be strengthened with power out of his glorious riches. Let's just think of that line, out of his glorious riches. You know, God has inexhaustible and glorious riches tonight to strengthen you with power. His resources are limitless. They never run dry. <laughs> he never goes into his overdraft. He has, he has cave upon cave of glorious riches for us. Out of his glorious riches, he's not limited. He is abundant. He's abundance, God is. We're going to look at a little bit more about that tomorrow. His abundance. Out of his glorious riches tonight, God's not limited and his desire is out of his glorious riches, all that is in the Father, all that is in the heavenly realms, he wants to somehow strengthen us with power in our inner being. There's no limit. It's inexhaustible resources. We come to an abundance God tonight. And Paul's request is that this Father out of his abundance would strengthen this church. And our request tonight is the Father out of his abundance would strengthen this church tonight. And then it's in the inner man. He talks about the inner being. We've talked a little bit about this already this weekend. There's something that happens in here. It's not external. Our culture is obsessed with externals. How we appear, how we look. Obsessed by fashion and um, physical exercise and diet. Those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. Um, actually, Paul says that physical exercise is of some gain. Um, but he actually says godliness is of great gain. There's, there's not wrong to look after yourself. But he's concerned about what's going on in here. And we should be concerned about what's going on in here. Because you know what? It's so very easy to come and do the church thing and put on the external face of, yeah, all's good with me. It's easy to do that in church, isn't it? There's a mask on. We come to church. We present something that we want people to see. Yet in here, we could be dying. In here, we could be rotten, actually. And Paul is deeply concerned about our inner being. God is deeply concerned about the state of our hearts. Deeply concerned. We can all put on the externals. No, no, God wants us to do something in our, in our inner being, in our inner person. The God of inexhaustible, glorious riches wants to strengthen us in here, yeah, yeah, I want, you know, I want to be a man that sees signs and wonders. I want to be a man that um, is bold and courageous with the gospel. Do you know what? That's only going to happen if something happens in me, in my inner man. I can do the externals. I can appear like all is healthy, but no, God, please, will you do something in me? Again, what a great thing to pray for one another. God, strengthen my brother in here in that inner person my sister would he come by your spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith interesting why, why would we want to know the strengthening of the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that we know no greater intimacy with Jesus 
as she's not about activity even now. What is the thing that Paul's most concerned about for the church in Ephesus and therefore for us is relationship. So the prayer in chapter 1, what's it all about? That you may know God better. What's it in chapter 2 about? That that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Because God is more interested in our relationship than in our activity. Activity flows from identity. I know I'm saying some of the same things, but you know there's a reason I'm saying the same things. Because we need to actually let these things come into our heart. Sometimes we need to hear things more than once to get this stuff into us. And these prayers help us to really think about these things more than just the once So we see that Paul's desire is for relationship. The word dwell here means to take up permanent residence somewhere. To settle down. That's literally what it means, to settle down. Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus not to have Jesus as a lodger, but for Jesus to move into their hearts and take up permanent residence. To dwell, to settle in their hearts through faith so that Christ may have full reign in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Has Christ fully taken up residence in your hearts? Does he fully dwell there? Like fully? Have you given him full reign of your hearts? This is what Paul is praying. I'm praying you may be strengthened with power in your inner being so that Christ may dwell, may settle, may take up permanent residence in your hearts. We are in Christ, and somehow the glory of the gospel is that Christ is also in us, the hope of glory. Christ dwells in us. A powerful life is a life lived knowing that Christ has permanent residence in our hearts. But that means we are given him full reign. So has Christ got lordship over every part of your heart, over your relationships? Is Christ permanent resident there? Is he over that? Your attitudes or your motives or your thoughts or... Um, your money. I mean, if there's a battle for our hearts, it's a money one, isn't it? Someone once said that if Jesus is not Lord of your money, Jesus is not Lord. Full stop. Because if he's Lord, he's Lord of everything. That includes your cash. Honor the Lord of the first fruits of your wealth. It's a biblical instruction. But so often we can compartmentalize our lives. And actually what Paul is saying, no, no, I want you to know Christ taking up full residence in your hearts. Like, does he dwell there? Is that where he lives? As he settled in your heart, is there a place for him? Dominique and I have lived um, in four houses since we got married 22 and a half years ago. Um, we have moved house in Burgess Hill as our family has grown. We have four children. We started in a one-bedroom house. Our daughter arrived. We moved to a two-bedroom house. And as the family grew, we're now in a four-bedroom house. And every house has needed a complete, like, renewal and restoration projects okay so we've not moved into one house and not had to gut every room and completely renovate the whole place so I've spent many many months and many many evenings doing DIY in houses and and the second house that we had was a two-bedroom Victorian house and it was a beautiful character place but we moved in and every room needed to be gutted and we had um, a young daughter um, as we moved in. And literally, we were like going through layers and layers of wallpaper. And we were sanding and sanding woodwork. And we were getting rid of carpets. And it took us months and months. And gutting a kitty- kitchen and refitting a kitchen. And in one room, actually, there was this fireplace. And we wondered, oh, I think the chimney's open. It's a Victorian house. I wonder if we could open this up to be an open fire. But it, at some point in its history, it had their back boiler in it. And so as you looked up the chimney, there's 
this metal plate that went across, and I thought, I need to get that down. So one evening, I was yanking on this metal plate to pull it out, and then suddenly, and I'm not joking you, a river of soot started pouring into the room, and there was carpet, and my, my wife and I just stood back, and for what felt like minutes, we just stood there as soot poured into the room, decades and decades and decades of soot. And after a few minutes of silence, it kind of all settled. And I can remember moving, and there's these white footprints on the carpet, and it was black everywhere. It was black on the skirting boards, black on the windowsill. There are four dead pigeons in the fireplace. I'm not kidding you. It was like just hours and hours of work to renovate this house. And after a year or so of doing it, people would come round and they'd say this, oh, well done, guys. This house now has the fingerprints of Jim and Dom all over it. It's like it's got your fingerprints on it. What, what we did was this. We had moved in and taken a residence of a property. And from within the property, bit by bit, we renovated it to the point where people said, this has got the fingerprints of Jim and Dom all over it. That is what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to move in. He wants to take residence. Our lives, when Jesus moves in, are in bad repair. They need some restoration. They need some renovation. They need some old carpets chucked out. They need some old wallpaper stripped off the wall. Jesus comes in, and from within us, he transforms us to the point where people say, ah, yeah, that dwelling place has got the fingerprints of Jesus all over it. This is what it means for Christ to take residence in our heart. How do, we, how do we transform to become more and more like Jesus? Do we work really, really hard at it? I must try harder, must do better. No, no, that's never what Paul says. What he says is, I pray that the Spirit may come to strengthen you in here so that Christ may take up permanent residence. And when Christ takes up permanent residence, we are transformed from the inside out. With ever-increasing glory, we become more and more like Jesus. So how, how do we live a power-filled life? We surrender our hearts and say, Jesus, take up full residence in every part. My relationships, my work, my attitudes, my motives, my money. Jesus, it's all yours. And what happens through the patience of God and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is bit by bit, we become more like Jesus. And people say, oh, I see the fingerprints of Christ in you. And we begin to hear the Father's voice a bit more clearly. And guess what happens? We begin to do the things that Jesus did because he said we would. Said, I've called you to do even greater things than I. We read that and think, well, I've got to try really, really hard then to be like Jesus. No, no. What we do is we allow him to take up residence, permanent dwelling in our hearts. And we become like Christ because he renovates and restores us. He works hard. He strips out the old carpets and puts in the new. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing Paul is praying. That's the first thing he's praying, that we may allow Christ to take up residence in our hearts. So, has he taken residence in your heart fully? And maybe a moment tonight, just to say again, Jesus, I'm fully consecrated to you. It's all for you. Come. And maybe there's an area of your life where you think, I haven't actually given Jesus full reign in that, in my heart. Jesus, I'm sorry. Come and take full residence. Come and dwell in my heart through faith. 
maybe something you want to do tonight as you pray. But we need to keep going because I want us to pray and there's something really important to say here. So verse 17, we've read about Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. And then he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Wow may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So he now prays about the Ephesians knowing the love of God. He says, being rooted and established or rooted and grounded. So it's like two different pictures, really. One is of a plant being rooted in something, good roots to enable the plant to grow. And one is to be grounded. It's speaking about foundations, like a building with good foundations. And he's saying the most important thing really for you guys is that your roots in your life are, are down deep or your foundations of your life are down deep into the, in the love of God. So that's where it all started. Your salvation started because of his love. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You're only a Christian because he revealed his love to you and you responded to his love. And so you need to build a life that is rooted in his love. And it's so easy, guys, isn't it, to build lives that are rooted in other things. Rooted in money or rooted in ambition or rooted in relationships. And Paul says, no, no, you have been rooted and established in love. Rooted and grounded in love. It's so important that we're grounded in the love of God. That's like, that's a foundation when, when life comes and throws at us what life throws at us, and it does throw stuff at us, we know, no, it's okay because I know I'm rooted in God's love. That doesn't change. That, that's secure. God's love is secure. And then he goes on to say, and I pray that you may realize how wide it is, how high it is, how long it is, how deep it is. It's like the full extents of the limitless extensive, all-encompassing love of God for us. It's like, I pray you may grasp this. And it's a really hard thing to try and communicate when you're preaching what this means because he himself says, this thing that I'm trying to communicate surpasses knowledge. So it's like, well, how am I meant to talk about something if even the great apostle Paul says it's beyond our kind of full understanding and knowledge? But there is something about the love of God that we can never exhaust. Which means this, if you have known something of the love of God, and I believe everyone has tonight because you're here, there is more of the love of God for you to know. So he's praying, I pray you may have power to grasp how high it is and how wide it is and how long it is and how deep it is, how extensive it is, how unconditional it is, how complete it is, how everlasting it is. And it's for you and we need to grasp it. And actually maybe the Christian's greatest pursuit while we live here on planet earth is somehow to understand more and more of God's great love for us. Everything is rooted in God's love. God loves you. Sounds like a cliche, but I don't think we fully realize how much God loves us. I don't know if we fully stepped into the realities of it or the revelation of it. And that's why Paul is praying. I pray you may establish how wide it is, how high, how long, how deep. Do you know the full extent of his love for you? Do you know it? For you, I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm asking for you. You may say, yeah, I know God loves the church. No, I'm saying, do you know God loves you completely, unconditionally? It will never change says elsewhere in the Bible that nothing, so nothing in heaven or on earth, in the past or in the future, principalities or powers, angels or demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Do you know that? Because knowing that will impact how you live here. So often we think, oh, I've made a mistake. I've got to try and appease God. No, no. Nothing 
can separate you from his love. There's nothing. Whatever force, whatever power, whatever enemy, whatever you think there might be, even your own personal failures or mistakes, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Anyone think this is good news? I hope you're thinking this is good news. And Paul is like, oh, he's on his knees. saying, oh, Lord, I'm praying this church in Ephesus may know somehow power to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is this love. And I'm like, oh, God, I pray for Crawley Community Church at the King's Church Mid-Sussex. If we could only know this love, fully know it, step into it, live in it, celebrate it, revel in it, make it our life's pursuit to meditate upon the love of God. Oh, my goodness, what a difference it would make to how we live. How we view others, how we view ourselves. What we celebrate in life, the joy that we have in God because he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. It's beyond knowledge. It's like you can't describe it. It's like you can't fully explain it. It surpasses knowledge. Even if everyone wrote books about it, it wouldn't be adequate. If there was encyclopedias about the love of God, it still wouldn't come close to describe how extensive it is. You could have a volume of books. You could have a library of books about the love of God. And still, that would not come close because the love of God is beyond us. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our human reason. But here's the thing. You can know it. So you may not be able to fully comprehend it all here. But in your inner being, you can know the love of God. I believe tonight some people are going to get a revelation afresh of how much God loves you. Do you know, 10 or 12 years ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, um, I was in the Brighton Centre at a New Frontiers leadership conference. And um, some of you might remember going to the Brighton Centre with New Frontiers leadership conferences. And we were singing the song, And Can It Be That I Should Gain An Interest in the Saviour's Love? Died He For Me, He Causes Pain. And um, I can remember singing that hymn, and I grew up in a brethren church, and I've sung that hymn hundreds of times. And it came to the line, "'Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. And I've sang that line hundreds of times, and suddenly, it's like a suddenly moment, I'm like, it's for me. "'Tis mercy all, immense and free for oh my god he found out me this is for me it's personal it's not just a theological idea the mercy of god found me i was running away from god as a 19 year old his mercy pursued me it's immense and i can remember being in the brighton conference and i just sobbed And sobbed and sobbed. Why? Because the spirit of wisdom and revelation had enlightened my heart that suddenly I saw something anew. And I understood something of his mercy like I'd never seen before. I believe God is wanting to do that tonight for individuals here about his love. That you may, it's for me. It's complete. It's unconditional. It's never changing. It's never failing. I can never be separated from it. Wow. And he concludes this prayer by saying, I pray you may grasp this love that you can't fully know. So you may be filled to the measure 
of all the fullness of God. Just reflect on that for a moment. God who is so other than us. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Utterly different. And yet somehow, because Christ is in us, because we are rooted in his love, the more we grasp his love, the more we'll be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Don Carson says that this is talking about becoming everything that God has always wanted or intended you to be. In a beautiful harmony with God, filled with the fullness of God. I can't fully grasp that, I'll be honest. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, help me to know what that means. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But there's something about here, about being filled with the fullness of God. Do you know, I've got a sneaking suspicion that if our lives were filled with the fullness of God, we'd be living lives of power. (laughs) I think people would see the difference Christ dwelling in us would be making. I think we'd be living in a completely different way, not conforming to the patterns of the world, but being transformed because the fullness of God is in us. And sometimes we find it hard to grasp this stuff, this love, this fullness. That's why we need to pray for one another to grasp it. Because it doesn't come from reading books. It comes from knowing the Spirit's ministry in our lives. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Education is good. Books are good. I love to read. They all help us. But there's something of a revelation. Like Jackie had a revelation this morning. I see it. Like I had a revelation in the Brighton Conference Center. Oh, it's mercy. There's a revelation through the Spirit that comes about knowing God, His love, and His fullness. I think we should pray. Zach, should we pray? Let's, why don't we stand to our feet? Uh, Jack, can we, just, can we just worship for a minute? I just want to, I've just talked a lot. I know you've heard a lot from me. I want us to just respond in praise and in worship. And then we're going to respond in prayer. Is that, is that okay? Yeah. So let's open our hands. God's got good gifts for us. He's a good father. And so, Father, I pray for my dear friends here that having been rooted and established in love, I pray, Lord, that everyone here tonight may have power together with all the Lord's holy people around the world to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is this love. Holy Spirit, help us to know it. Holy Spirit, help us to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Help us to know something of what it means to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, let us not rush to activity. Lord, we want to we wanna see nations change. We want to see communities change. We want to see lives change. We, we want to serve you, Lord. We really do. We, you are worth following. You are worth giving our lives for. But, Lord, we don't want to do it, Lord, from a wrong foundation. We want to do it having been rooted and established in your love having been strengthened in our inner man, having known the spirit of wisdom and revelation, helping us to know God better. We say, Jesus, take up full residence in our hearts. Dwell here, I pray. Dwell in our hearts. You have us, Lord. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Come, even in this time we have tonight, come, Holy Spirit. Minister to us, I pray. We're all in the same boat here. We just... Men and women hungry and thirsty for you, Holy Spirit. So come, I pray. Amen. Let's just worship for a moment.
I do believe tonight is going to be um, significant for individuals, and also I believe it's significant for the church here. And sometimes um, we may not see the fullness of that immediately, but I think some of you will look back in months to come and think, God began something that evening. I know something of his love in a way that I hadn't done before, and I can trace it back to that night when someone prayed with me, or there's a word. But I think as a church as well, I do have faith in God for you as a people, that he's got good things for your future. And there are key moments where you look back and think, God did something then, and we see the fruit of it now. And so I want you to hold that in your hearts, call the community church, trust God in that. Um, I believe every prayer that's prayed, God has heard, and he is faithful to answer. Whether you feel anything or not isn't actually relevant. It's what God has said and what we've asked him for and what he's promised to do. And it will bear fruit in your life. I really believe that. Um, I think we're going to draw in. I know some people may want to keep praying, but we're nearly at half nine. We're going to be back here tomorrow at 10. Thanks. And we're going to be looking at those verses. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We're going to be looking at what that means a little bit. So I hope you can join us. Honestly, just as it's been such a privilege for us from Kings to hang out here with you guys, it really has. So thanks for having us. I don't know if you want to say anything, Steve. I'll hand back to you. Um. Wonderful. I, no, I'm not going to speak other than go to bed full of the Holy Spirit, wake up in worship in the morning, enjoy the freedom God's bringing you. Just keep exercising it, keep declaring it, keep speaking it over yourself in the morning and come just ready, ready to run, ready to see what God does tomorrow, ready to encourage someone else. There'll be people here tomorrow morning who've not been able to access this yet. They've been looking after kids or working a shift. or So just come ready to pray for someone, to bless someone, to encourage them to get up on their feet and worship in the morning. Your example is going to make an amazing difference tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. All you're doing, all you're opening up, we receive it, Lord. Oh, God, thank you. And thank you for what we're going to receive in the morning. <laughs> Lord, now we pray for a rest that does us good. Will you speak to us in the night? Lord, would you give us dreams? Will we wake up with amazing God thoughts or scriptures or a song in our hearts that's going to speak right into us? Lord, pray for these guys. They travel safely. Lord, bless them. Bless their families. We pray for Kings Mid-Sussex in the morning. They will meet with you so powerfully, so powerfully. Lord, as they sow into us, oh God, would you just pour out your spirit in great measure on that church? Lord, may they uh, really know the heights and the depths <laughs> and the width and the fullness of the love of Christ. Oh, thank you, G. I, I, I pray the guys that are here tomorrow would say, I can't believe we missed that at home, <laughs> Lord, even as they're ministering here tomorrow. So we just rest in you now, Lord. We pray tomorrow, this Sabbath day that we're approaching, God, may it truly be a day of delighting in you, of eating and drinking of your fullness, of saying, wow, God, we've, we've filled up on you today. Thank you for all your opening up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give these guys a round of applause again? Thank them. <laughs>